Today's episode of the Thunderstock Show is with special guest Justin High. Justin is a Central Pennsylvania native, five-time world champion, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, ultra runner, and father. As always, I hope this brings you value for your life, liberty, and pursuit of property as you listen to Justin's very interesting, explicit, at times hard-to-comprehend story. Viewer discretion is advised. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got here, where did you grow up, what that was like. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Halifax. It's a really small country town. Uh, there was like 88 kids in my graduating class, and uh, I pretty much grew up fighting like ever since I was in kindergarten, first grade, and then you know on the farm with my cousins. So <laughs> um, it was. I was always led to, I was going to be doing jujitsu probably or some sort of MMA stuff and jujitsu. I've tried a lot of different ones out. Jujitsu is the one that feels the most natural to me. Uh, it's the one I like. So did you wrestle when you were growing up? Did you do like organized sports? Yeah, I wrestled. I tried doing sports in elementary school wrestling then. And I, I don't know. I just couldn't, couldn't stay committed to it, but I wrestled in middle school then. And that's when I started really, making a change in my life but going back like I said ever since like kindergarten first grade um you know I liked this girl on the playground and she had a boyfriend and her boyfriend had a lot of friends I was pretty much on my own didn't really know too many people around so the boyfriend came up to me with all of his friends and would start you know kicking me and pushing me around just like first graders not not professional MMA fighters really doing damage but schoolyard bullying yeah, something like that. And then one day I kind of snapped out a little bit and, you know, I started hitting him back, I grabbed the one kid by the hair and smashed his face off a brick wall. And <sighs> the school kind of thought there might be a problem here with me. And it's like, well, and you were defending yourself. I was defending myself. I actually remember going to the one teacher and saying, like, look, if you're not going to do anything to stop them when they're picking on me, I'll give you this piece of candy that I earned today for a good test score or whatever. I want you to just keep not doing anything when I defend myself. And she just laughed at me and said, I can't do that. So the school went to my mom and they were like, you know, your kid's out of control. We think there's something wrong here. Let's put him on Ritalin. And by like first grade, first grade, first grade, I'm taking Ritalin. And uh, (laughs) that wasn't good for me. I mean, I was really, I wasn't getting into as many fights at school anymore, but when I snapped out then it was, you know, even more dangerous. Like the one time, I don't know, maybe like seven years old, we were, we were sitting on this in one of these kids front yards, looking at the stars, just kind of hanging out, talking, got done playing flashlight tag in a little neighborhood. I was at my step grandma's house for the weekend and there, I was like, man, I got to take a piss. And they're like, Oh, we all pissed down behind that house over there. So I'm like, all right, I'll run down there and go take a piss real quick. And when I got down there, I was pissing. And then the uh, people who were living there opened up the window and saw me like pissing on the back of their house. And they're like, what the hell are you doing? Their whole family was in there watching like a family movie night or something. And they're like, what the hell are you doing? You're banned from here. It was like one of the most fun like houses that we all converged at. And they're like, you can't come here anymore. Like you're not allowed to. You kind of got set up. Yeah. They, I mean, it was a joke, you know, whatever. But, but still. I'm, you know, seven or eight years old for them. and high on meth basically because I'm taking Ritalin every day. So I snap out, I grab a knife, I walk in their front door and they're like, 
whoa, dude, like, what are you doing right now? Like, Calm down. Why do? You, why are you standing here with a knife in our in our front door? And I'm like, that's. I just started crying and I ran away. Yeah. And kind of what happened then was for the re- for a while there, like I was scared to really react in any way because I got in trouble for defending myself. Now I'm getting in trouble, you know. Just like, sort of being, doing at that age what you think you can do to defend yourself from, it was kind of bullying. I mean, they thought it was a joke, but that's at your expense. Right. So now um, I kind of pull back from reacting in any way and I just start eating like crazy all mm. the food as much food as i could find anywhere i go i was never satisfied that was how you sort of dealt with the stress and the bad feelings yeah so now i'm not lashing out anymore i'm staying you know quiet uh and i'm getting fat i'm, I'm gaining a lot of weight um but i remember by fifth grade we had baseball cards i was six foot tall 185 pounds by in, fifth grade in fifth grade yeah um so now i'm i'm eating a lot, my friends, my cousins, I'm the fat kid, so they're all just kind of picking on me and stuff like that. I'm used to, like this, like my one cousin's birthday party, we went over, um, his mom made like a big chocolate cake, and you know, a couple of us sitting around playing Monopoly, some video games like Forza or whatever, uh, just playing some racing games and playing Monopoly, eating cake. And she's like, eat as much as you want. And I'm like, what do you don't, mean? Yeah, don't. What do you mean eat as much as I don't want? Don't make that claim lightly. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And she's like, no, yeah, have as much as you want. So everybody had like a slice of cake and then I ate the whole cake um, and people wanted more cake. And she's like, well, I guess I got to make another cake now. And it's like, well, you told me, you know, eat as much as you want. And I like to eat. So I ate the whole thing. So she's making another cake and we go outside to play while she's doing that. And we're on the trampoline and everybody's like, hey, you know, hey, fat ass, you just ate the whole damn cake. So yeah. everybody on the trampoline starts jumping as high as they can and dropping elbows on me and knocking me down and just beating me up probably for like a half an hour. I don't mean, I don't know exactly how long, but just for like a half an hour, I'm just getting beat up by my cousins and stuff, uh, for being the fat ass. Um, I went through a lot of that. And then by like seventh grade, my friends were like, all right, you know, you're 250 pounds now we need In a, seventh grade. Yeah. yeah. By fifth, by seventh grade, they're like, we need a uh, big fat kid for the wrestling team. You're a big fat kid come out for wrestling and I was Oof. starting to like, I was completely out of shape and everything like that, but I was starting to, but you're tall at this time. You're above six foot tall. Yeah. And I was starting to really have like, um, friends for the first time. Yeah. They were ever. invited to do an activity with the group, right? Like yeah. I was going to some sleepovers, you know, hanging out, playing video games. I had some friends, we busted balls. I mean, I was still getting picked on a lot, but we were, having a good time. Like I had friends and, um, so I came out for the wrestling team and I was, I was scared. Like I was scared to wrestle. Like I was scared to be on the mat alone with somebody else. Like I didn't know to what was going to happen. let it out. Well, not even let it out. I was scared of what they were going to do to me. Like I, uh... I, I was afraid, you know, like I was afraid that I was going to get hurt or something. And I didn't win a single match my first year. My first year I went like zero and 21. Um, it wasn't good, but it was good to be a part of something to get out there. And well, start you stuck learning. with it too, right? My next year, I went out for it. I was twenty-one and three. Jeez, and, how did you make the turn? Uh, you know, I remember being real. I started getting desperate to. I didn't know anything about working out or eating right or doing anything good, but I remember 
like that summer I was I was like all right like I was riding my bike around all summer to people's houses and like just trying to be outside doing stuff and then I remember I would go out into my garage and just walk in circles in the in the heat and I was like this has got to be doing something to me I'm going for a walk and I was just walking circles in my garage but then I'd come in and I would stack you know one type of pizza on top of another type of pizza and then throw a pile of cheese on it and eat a whole jar of peanut butter Jeez. So I didn't I didn't understand anything about like calories or calories in versus out. Yeah, I you're didn't, just doing as much burning and as much consuming as you could. Like I was starting to work as hard as I could at it, and then I was eating so much. Like I remember the one night I asked my mom, she got like a um, a 99 pack of those freeze pops or whatever. Yeah, and I was like, can I? How many of these can I eat? And she's like, they're basically just water, you know, so you can just eat as many as you want. Mm. And I stood in front of the TV that night, like I was at home alone, like I. So I Did you have up, any siblings? I know you had cousins. No, so I'm sorry. I should probably go back a little no, bit good. here. I, All good, man. So my parents split up when I was real young. Mm-hmm. My dad was always dating like lots of different women, which was some, I guess, inspiring. You know, cause he but had, they, like, it affected you at an early age. Yeah, well, he had he was dating like this beautiful redheaded woman that cut hair, and I, I have like a vague memory of being like four, five, six, maybe years old, watching Dumb and Dumber with them, and thinking like, you know, she's a voluptuous redheaded woman she, this is cool <laughs> and then uh he broke up with her and he was dating like this rich lady who bought him like a pinball machine and a harley davidson and she had like a mansion with an in-ground pool and a flat screen t- or not a flat screen tv but a big screen tv and a computer in like 93 you know so yeah. that was that was like balling in 93 yeah yeah um but the one night i remember at her house me and my dad were watching cartoons and it was like 10 o'clock and she came down and she was like hey, it's time for him to go to bed, you know, it's too late or whatever. And he's like, I'm watching cartoons with my son right now. I'll let you know when I'm done doing that. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, me and my dad are going to hang out and watch these cartoons until I pass out and then he'll carry me to bed. Like, this is going to be a good night. The next morning, my dad came to my room at her house in like a bathrobe and he had a VCR in his hand. He's like, we got to go. We got to go. So we drive, we leave the house like early in the morning. He's still wearing a robe and just carrying his VCR. We leave the house and get down the street to like a payphone. He calls the cops and it's a whole thing. And um, I don't know. He had like a lot of a lot of these strange. Like after that, then I remember him living in like a the kind of apartment where it's a shared bathroom. And I mm-hmm. remember watching him like smoke a bowl out of tin foil. Um, like I think it was in weed. elementary school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he died then when I was like seven or eight years old. Oh, man. So I grew up on the farm with my grandma. I was an only child. And uh, yeah, she were you back and forth between your dad and your mom or was it? Yeah, I was like I was at my dad's on the weekends. Yeah. And then my mom worked nights. So I pretty much just grew up on the farm with my grandma. And then on the weekends, I would stay at my stepdad's mom's house. Mm. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Basically, I grew up on the farm with my grandma. My dad died when I was seven, so I was up there on the farm most of the time, like throwing hay bales, working on the farm, you know, doing what I do. My grandma was. Uh, Man, you, know, you had a tough. I want to. I want to. That's a lot. Like, I want to get you off your train of thought, but that's yeah. that's a lot to go on for the first seven, eight years of your life, man. I'm. Yeah, well, I'm learning this for the first time. I've known you for for quite a few years. This is. That's part of like what I think uh, led me to where I am in jiu-jitsu because I feel it. I still feel it. Um, but like when I was on the farm with, with my grandma there, she I love her. Uh, I think she loved me. But she also liked to beat the hell out of me. 
mm-hmm. um, a lot. Some some people would call it discipline, but I don't know. Like I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying, if it was today's world, it would be looked at a lot differently <laughs> well, than yeah, back it then. It would be a problem. And in her in and in her world. upbringing, that was probably a normalized thing that people just did. Yeah, but I just not when, defending it, but no. And it Times probably made me a better person. You know what I mean? In some aspects. Well, but, it made you a more unique person. Yeah. 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 But when I look back on it, I remember feeling so desperate to get out. Like I just wanted out. I just wanted to get away from there. I didn't want to go back. My mom kept sending me back. She knew how it was. Like she grew up with her too. Like she knew, you know what I mean? It wasn't a secret. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I couldn't. I couldn't get out no matter well, yeah, how you were a kid, right? No matter how bad I didn't w- want to be there or how bad I wanted it to stop. There was no stop. There was no way out. And that like it put me to the red line of feeling desperate. And like then it was PTSD events. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is it, it put me, it pushed me to the edge and then past that, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I really, I think that is part of what's made me successful now and doing what I do and working so hard because I know what it's like to, to want something real bad. You know like what I mean? Life or death bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, when you, As it's, like it's one thing, child, it's yeah. one thing to want something real bad where you ask Santa Claus at Christmas time, like, Hey, I want a pony. It'd be great. But it's like another thing to want to have an environment where you're not being abused. Right. And there's a quote that it makes me think of that when you study successful individuals, it's not that they all have, have something in common, right? There's not like this extra trait. It's that they severely lack something. And that's that lacking of something. The successful endeavor is what like they're filling the hole that something they're lacking um, in their life in some way with success. And, and it's just like, dude, I totally can understand what you're talking about. Right. When you, your back's against the wall, like it's, you're fighting for your life pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it felt like that. It felt like, well, by the time I was like 12, I got out of there. Yeah. Uh, my mom sent me to this babysitter, uh, this girl from school, like this girl, two of her sisters. Um, her mom was like, I'll, I'm looking for a baby or someone to babysit one way or another. I don't know. My mom was spending like 500 bucks a week though, for Jeez. me to like sleep at this place in, at night. And then real quick, she was like, all right, you're 12 years old now. You can just stay home by yourself. Um, I remember, though, during that time, I was so scared at night by myself, you know, at my mom's house that uh, I would have to take like NyQuil to go to sleep because I was afraid aliens were coming to get me. I was afraid people were breaking into the house. Like I was, you know, ghosts or what the hell ever. Like I was scared. Well, you said earlier redlining. So it's just overall stress. Yeah. And plus I'm on Ritalin, too, you know, so I'm you know, on drugs at this time too. And I'm by myself and I've just been through all this, but I'm finally free of my grandma's. And that's when I started really gaining even more weight. So 12 years old, about, you know, 11, 12, I'm, well, I'm just starting wrestling now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I find I have like something in my life that's structured, you know, because I always did okay in school, but I think that was just because of the Ritalin. Like I didn't have to study. I didn't have to do like any effort. I just, I could hear the teacher say it and the Ritalin made sure that I didn't forget, you know, something like that, I think is what happened or I could figure it out. Like I had little, I remember this one test. It was almost like a school steroid. I remember this one test that I took I, in sixth grade. I called the teacher out. She's like, she was asking questions, you know, the next day to review, like, 
the tests or whatever. And I didn't, I didn't know anything. And she's like, how did you get, you know, 95% on this test and you don't know any of the stuff. And I was like, because you had like a pattern, it was like ACDB or whatever over and over repeating. And she's like, but you didn't get a hundred percent. And I was like, yeah, I got a 95% by following that pattern. It's good enough for me. You know, like I just saw this pattern that she yeah. apparently didn't even realize she put on the test. So that got me the grade. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> by like seventh grade though, uh, wrestling, not doing great, but part of something feels good to like be a part of something with the guys on the team. Yeah. We all worked hard at practice together. Like we all got through that together. I liked that eighth grade. I'm doing pretty good in wrestling. Um, in ninth grade, I could have either stayed JV or went to varsity. Like junior and high? You're like, yeah, junior high. Yeah. So I, I did stay junior high. I didn't go to varsity in ninth grade. And then in 10th grade, I was going to be JV, like junior varsity. Yeah. And I did, I was doing pretty good now. I was starting to, you know, people were, you know, impressed with how I was doing at wrestling. Um, and then the guy who was the heavyweight for the varsity team had an accident he was like at a job and he was supposed to do really good this guy big ben he was you know senior 275 pounds yeah like six foot five like a bigger Jeez. big guy um he was inflating a tire at his job and it i guess it exploded and blew out his guts like he survived but he was in oh the hospital God. he was uh you know it was they said if he wasn't such a big guy he probably wouldn't have survived it but they come to me then and they're like well it looks like you're starting varsity in 10th grade yeah so I did that. I did pretty well. I made it to, I got third at district or third at regionals. And then I basically got like ninth at districts. Like I won a couple. I lost a couple. I was one match away from going to, going to regionals. I got mm -hmm. ninth at like districts. Yeah. Um, so it was going well. Um, but then that summer, uh, something happened that summer where, I started, I started partying that summer. Mm. So now I'm 275, 10th grade, going into 11th grade. And now I start partying and stuff. And that's like, I finally have like, I'm finally talking to girls now. Yeah. You're socializing. You're, yeah. And that's kind of, you kind of you you mentioned earlier that wrestling did a number for your confidence socially. And now it's like, Oh, the reward of wrestling is I do pretty well and I'm getting invited to these parties. So it's like a huge, like huge victory there. Right. I'm not. I'm not sure if the wrestling's what led me to the parties and stuff, but uh, maybe not a co causal factor, just correlation. Yeah, I think I might have been better off had I not <laughs> gone to the. Well, see, I don't know what happened, but so one night that summer, tenth to eleventh grade, I have to get to a party, and I'm in. I live in the middle of the country. I don't know how I'm going to get there, you know. Um, and I remember this one time at the mall that my mom locked her keys out of the car and there was like a key hidden under the bumper. So she bought a new car. I'm almost 15 now or I'm 15 or so. And she's like, when you get your license, my old car will be your car. Mm -hmm. So it's there while I'm there alone at night. And I remember that there's a key hidden under the bumper and I've got a party to get to. So I just grabbed the key and I drove i started driving did you know how to drive no i didn't my friends taught me while we were drinking beer and smoking blunts driving around the country uh at 15 years old they taught me you know how to drive i didn't understand headlights high beams uh of course it's dark yeah yeah i didn't under and I, yeah 
But I started what driving. Could, what could go wrong? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I started driving and then she eventually caught me and she kind of knew, but she kind of let it slide a little bit. I guess she didn't really want too much conflict. I mean, there was times where she took it away, but then what really happened that summer was I got, there was like another small town next to my town where it's more of like a little town like thing, not out in the country. Mm -hmm. And uh, she would drop me off. She'd give me like 50 bucks, drop me off. I'd call in like a week or two. And I would just bounce around from house to house, party to party. Some nights I wouldn't find anywhere. And I would just fall asleep, you know, in somebody's front yard. Uh, I'd run out of money pretty quickly. So it was like sponsored homelessness. <laughs> I don't know. You, I don't know what you would call them, man. I, I think about it, though, uh, often. Wild experience. I would when I ran out of money, I That's would wild. Uh, just go around to cars and take the change out so that I could buy a sandwich at the gas station to eat. You know, and a lot of times I wouldn't have money. Um, I would find cigarettes on people's back porches. Um, and, you know, I would go to parties, too. But after like a week or two, you sh and no shower, sleeping in people's front yards and stuff, people wouldn't invite me to too many parties at that point. Stinky a little bit. Yeah. So I ended up that came to an end when I was at this girl's house. That was like the party house. Everybody could chill there. Mm -hmm. It's like two in the morning. And. My friend is like, hey, you see that stop sign across the street? It's kind of leaning over. I bet you could get that out of the ground. And I'm like, well, let's go do it. And he's like, let me finish my sandwich. And I'm like, fuck that, man. And yeah. so I, I skipped across the street. Like, you know, I was probably high or whatever at this point. It's like 2 in the morning on the porch, this girl's house. Um, so I skipped across the street. And I ripped it right out of the ground and started dancing with it over my head. And I heard, oh, that's real nice. I looked behind me. I did it right in front of the fire station, and the chief is just sitting there in a lawn chair, hanging out at the fire station, and just watching watched, you. Watch the whole thing happen. I he, he wasn't that far away from me. I just wasn't paying attention. You're oblivious to it, yeah. So he's like, "You want me to call the cops now or later?" And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. I was just fixing this, and I put it back in the ground. I was like, remember it was leaning. Now it's straight. So you know, we're all good. We're good." And I went and sat back down on the porch, like I could see him. Like yeah. I, I hadn't, I didn't run off or anything. Yeah, I was yeah, sitting yeah. there. And he called the cops and the cops came and they they were like, you know, we're not going to take you away, but we need to talk to your mom. So I had to call her while she was at work. It's like mm. four in the morning. They charged me, you know, with something pretty minor. Um, but she was she was this is the first time I'd ever been in trouble at all. Mm -hmm. So she was like, oh, my God, you know, you're so you're dead, you know. So she came and picked me up when she got off work and she tried to ground me, but she didn't have the. You know, I think she was like, she was raised by my grandma too, and it was rough. And her goal was as a parent, anything that she did was wrong. So, like, no discipline. Do the opposite. Yeah, yeah, basically zero discipline, zero telling you what to do with yourself, trying to control you in any way. Like, you know, but she realized, like, well, the cops are involved now. I've got to do something here. So she tried to ground me. It didn't really last. I ended up. I told her what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that car that I've been driving and I'm just going to leave it at my friend's house because he has a garage and we're going to work on it, put a stereo system in it and stuff like that. I'm not going to be driving it. We're just going to be working on it at my friend's. And from that point on, I just parked it in the woods down by like a quarter mile from her house because I knew she she was like a creature of habit. Like there's one way she drives to work. There's no reason she would go right out of her driveway. She only goes left so I can park it. Not man, too far from here. You have a history of pattern recognition. Man. Yeah. Yeah. But so I parked it down in the woods and I would go out for the school bus in the morning 
and I would just run alongside the school bus down to the car, and I was driving to school now. At 15. No license, no, yeah. no nothing. Yeah. Um, one of my... So you stopped wrestling at this time? No, I didn't. So you were still wrestling? So that year, when wrestling started, um, I was still out driving around and stuff and going to parties. I had lost... I was down to 205 now because of those you know, weeks on end in Just Millersburg running the streets. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I lost a ton of weight, but I was still, you know, I still wanted to wrestle and I was still doing good in wrestling. I was five and two, I remember. Mm -hmm. And then my coaches pulled me into their office because after school now, uh, me and some of the guys would go down and smoke cigarettes in the graveyard after school and then run up to wrestling practice. And my coaches are like, your heart's not in this anymore. You know, we're not going to waste our time on you. Just get out of here. And I'm like, I'm five and two. Like, I'm still really into doing this. You know what I mean? Like, what's mm. the problem here? And they're like, we don't want you But here. you didn't see any correlation between the activities outside of wrestling and the bearing on wrestling at the time because you're like, hey, I'm showing up to work. I'm doing my job, which is wrestle and wrestle well. Yeah. What I do off the clock doesn't have any concern. That's sort of the mentality. Right. But showing up to practice, smelling like cigarettes, uh, mm. the coaches could tell they were wasting their time. You know what I mean? And they were right. I mean, I would have liked to have not been kicked out, but they were right to do what they did because yeah. I needed to get. I needed to get. But that was your fine. That out. was your first and only uh, confrontation with them about it. They didn't yeah. give you a warning. They were like, "Hey." No, I mean, I think that you know, it's small town word gets around. Um, yeah. So there was no secret, and then finally one day they just yeah. they had enough. But like I said, like I wasn't screwing off either. This was the first time that I was able to run um, because when I was two hundred and seventy five pounds, like. One of the things that we would do for conditioning was we'd go up into the long hallway at our high school at, you know, after, you know, seven o'clock at night or whatever at the end of wrestling practice. And we would just run for like an hour and I could never do it. I could never run the whole time, um, not even probably 15 minutes because I was so heavy. And now, now that I'm 205, even though I've been smoking and partying, I can run the whole time. It's like a new ability that I've never had before. Mm. Like I can do pull ups now, like I don't know what you call that as far as like a weight loss thing. Puberty? Because, well, not, no, it's not puberty. Or did man. you go through puberty way earlier? I went through puberty very early. Man. Okay, I, okay. So I, it wasn't uh, that. It was just the, the newfound superpower of Just not being 275 and, pounds. Yeah. The superpower of losing weight. You know, almost a third of my body weight. That was unhealthy weight. Right. It wasn't healthy weight at all. No. And now I can run for an hour. Uh, I can do a pull up. Yeah. And now I'm kicked off the team. And it's like... At first, you know, that may be counterintuitive. I'm more athletic now, but obviously it wasn't done in a healthy way. Yeah. And There's a cultural difference between what the team wanted. Yeah. And, you know. So they kicked me off the team. Uh, one of my closest friends moved down to Virginia and his parents didn't know that I didn't have my license because we were all right around that age. Mm. So he would uh, tell him to give me, he would ask him for gas money and say, like, I'd come down for the weekend and so now I'm driving to Virginia without a license, uh, and his parents are giving us gas money. Um, things started getting pretty reckless there. He, down in Virginia, man, he got, you know, pounced on right away by all the older kids and got into, like, drugs and stuff like that, like crazy drugs, you know, like shrooms and ecstasy and, you know, pretty much whatever you could imagine. And he got taken on to it. They, get, they got him right away. Yeah. So I knew some people, and uh, the one night I was going to, we were going to do a drug deal, like a big drug deal. 
Okay, so that friend of yours in Virginia got you kind of into like more drugs. Yeah, well, I never did shrooms or ecstasy. Well, one time in my 20s, I did ecstasy, uh, not in like a super unhealthy way, but you know what I mean? Like I was I was in a better place in my life when I did it. I wasn't okay. a teenage teenager okay. driving around illegally. Yeah. Um, and it was only one time. I wasn't super into that experience. But yeah, um, at 15... I'm pretty much... Well, you're still 15 when this is happening? Maybe I turned 16 by the time this particular thing happened, but I still Were didn't have still my license. Were you still in high school? Yeah, I was okay. still in high school. I didn't have my license. Um, I was down in Virginia, and my friend's like, I got a guy who you know, will sell a pound of shrooms. And I was like, I got a guy who wants to buy a pound of shrooms. Um, so we, we come up with this scheme that <laughs> I'm going to make the initial trip with the guy that I know, and... You know, we're going to all make the initial meeting. And then after that, they're going to give me and my buddy like 200 bucks a week to, you know, do all the leg to drive work, to do all the leg work. Yeah. So we get down there and the guys that I'm with. So backtrack again, when I was like 10, 11, 12, something like that, I was playing a lot of uh, Diablo 2 mm-hmm. on the computer. Mm-hmm. And my mom had a friend or um, yeah, my mom's friend from work. Her son actually also played. But he didn't actually, he didn't just play. He actually had a uh, business where yep. he sold du- duplicate items and stuff. Yep. I had, I knew a guy growing up that would have the nicest like jewelry and yeah. clothing. The Saj, the Stone of Jordan, the and plus I, one to all. Well, I mean, I don't know what the Diablo thing was. I just knew he was in my class. I was like, dude, how do you have a cell phone? <laughs> You're talking you, about actual jewelry. It, yeah. Like it's, <laughs> in, in real life. Yeah. It's like, dude, how are you iced out right now with your jewelry? We're... I'm 16, man. Like yeah. you're 15. Like, how are you doing that? And he goes, Oh, I go home and play Diablo eight hours a day. I'm like, wait, what? So he spent eight hours of school and he was a really good wrestler at the time, mm-hmm. but then he'd gotten drugs. And I think he was able to get into drugs because his Diablo hustle afforded, he made tons of money doing that. Yeah. Well, this guy claimed to have made like a million dollars and uh, I real he, life or Diablo. No real life. Well, he did buy like a BMW and what yeah he did buy a bmw and he i don't know if he made a million dollars. everybody says he made a lot of money he made a lot of money he definitely did make a lot of money yeah he definitely did make a lot of money back in what year was this like Um, 2002 right around yeah like 2000 2002 before like man that's crazy yeah so this guy though now we're like 16 you know and uh, this guy's like, I'd like to buy a pound of shrooms. And my friend is like, I know a guy who'd like to sell a pound of shrooms. So it sounds like this could work out well for everybody. So we drive down there. And then we, on the drive down, the guy, you know, we're smoking a blunt. He's got his buddy with him that's carrying a gun. But we're not going to need that. We're just having a good time. Simple meet and greet. You know, it's going to be fine. Um, we get down there. The guys come out. And they're like, give us the money. And then we'll come back out with the stuff. And then my guy's like, well, wait, no, you don't do that. Um, so they negotiate a little bit. And then the guy that I'm with gives them like 600 bucks. And then he goes into the house and doesn't come back out. And then. So he just took the money. Guy took the money. My buddy's in the car with me. Um, this is his guy or whatever. Uh, the guy goes in the house with half the money. And then we see a garage door open and a car drives away. So my guy, the guy that I'm with is like, you need to follow them. And I was like, well, I heard those guys have guns and I don't really want to pursue them. You know, they took our money or your money. I don't want to pursue them. 
And he's, he's like, well, my friend here has a gun too, so I'm telling you to pursue them. So now I'm like, well, I guess I'm pursuing them now. And so I start driving after him. And what I remember doing in that moment was I left my foot like halfway on the accelerator. So it kind of stuck between gears and stayed at a higher RPM. So they, so it sounded like I was flooring it, but I was actually like half, you know, and they just, they got away from us. Cause we were driving. So you let like them a, get away, but you made it seem like an accident. Yeah, sort of. Um, so that was a long, awkward drive home. And then when, when we got back to their house, uh, for me to drop them off, I was like, hey, you know, I know this is not a good time, but I actually was counting on some gas money to get back, get myself back home now. So they actually did give me like another 20 then. That was nice. Yeah. Um, but then from that on, like. He's like, nah, I'm out. We were like messaging each other on, in, on not Instagram, AIM. AOL. Yeah, AIM. And it was, we'd talk shit to each other once in a while, but we never saw each other ever again. Yeah. Wow. So I'm going to stop. Um any wrestling coaches listening, I think the moral of the story is here. Uh, if you know someone smoking cigarettes before practice, maybe uh, talk to them first and don't kick them off the team. I, I think that would probably have done wonders in, in Justin's story. Um, holy moly, that is a lot. So, okay. Well, <laughs> did you finish high school? No. No, I well, did get my GED, but that's uh, good. there's a lot more that happened. Uh, we Holy don't need to get shit. into all of that right now. So, we can move on from so that. So let's, I understand. But, uh, I think I understand that you had a, a rough, very violent. Yes. Violent, but you were more of like a, a bystander to the violence. You, it's not like you were the one initiating it and going no, like, yeah. on this like war path rampage. You know what I mean? You were just kind of like, Oh, there's violence all around me. I can either try and fit in and like have friends and camaraderie or I can just like isolate and try and self-soothe in an unhealthy, unproductive, self-destructive way. And you just like bounce between that until you got out of the situation. So how the hell did you get out of the situation? Like what did you, I know that you moved to California at some point. Did you just say I'm out of East coast? I'm going to California. I don't want to, you know, ruin the story in the, the course of events, but like you had to have gotten out of that environment. Right. Well, okay. So the thing that I've been going back to my dad, like my first memories of my dad, mm -hmm. he had the hot girlfriend then the rich girlfriend. And as soon as I got to school, I wanted a girlfriend. So um, he was like Dalton from Roadhouse. Dalton. You ever see Roadhouse? I've seen it. Is Dalton like the, the main the character? Main, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he had a lot of girlfriends. Yeah. I don't know. He had a lot of girlfriends. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, then he was like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I was always, I mean, the, even the partying and stuff, man, like it's not that like I craved alcohol and drugs. I you just wanted connection. I wanted to be, you know, with people. I particularly wanted a girlfriend. And yeah. then at 17, um, I did start dating this girl. Um, we got an apartment together. I was working at UPS. I was a supervisor, like right away, like I went right into supervision, like I always had a hard work ethic. I always yeah. performed well, like what I was focused on. Yeah. So I was working at UPS. Um, we were, we had an apartment, we were engaged. Um, that was like 17 to 20. I was with this girl. Um, that seemed to be like what my life was going to be now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was going to marry this girl and that kind of started scaring me. 
and I was like, ah, I'm going to go to California now. <laughs> I'm going to go. And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I don't think this is working out. Like this was March. I broke up with her in March. Um, my best friend moved in with me for the rest of my lease, uh, like three more months on my lease. My best friend moved in. Um, and then by June 1st, I flew out to California. I like, I quit my job. I actually, I you decided you needed like, I just needed the, to go. The fear of the future of what the path you're currently on was enough that you're like, we're, can, we're taking a hard left. Like we're not <laughs> doing this. Well, what it really was, I've come to realize is I think like the media, man, like the media and everything like created this image in my mind of what California was that I mm. had. California dreaming. That, yeah. That was either a song or a very popular <laughs> phrase growing up. Yeah. California yeah. Dreaming. But I had like this image of it in my head and I had to go to it. I yeah. had to go. And so where did you move in California? So June 1st. I got off the plane and I met these two college girls on Craigslist that uh, lived in Long Beach. Okay. And they said our third roommate is moving home for the summer, so we need somebody to cover her rent. Uh, so I was like, perfect. I got a little bit of money saved up. I'll either live here for like two or three months and then go back home, or I'll come out here for two or three months and then I'll figure out a way to stay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I lived with these two college girls. I got off the plane at midnight or I got to their apartment at midnight, June 1st, 2009. I remember knocking on the door and somebody just like a random person answers the door and they're like, yo, it's a new roommate, bro. Do you smoke pot and play beer pong? And I'm like, I do. Yeah. And they're like, all right, you're my partner. Uh, hit this. And it was like a party. Right, right when you walked in, it was a party. Party. Yeah. Party. First night there, it was a party. Um, it was pretty much a party every night. Uh, so that went on for a little while and I had this job, I had this job back in Pennsylvania before UPS where I was door to door salesman for Verizon fiber optics. Okay. And I actually made pretty good money at that job, but it was a hundred percent commission. So like one week I could make $1,500 the next week it might be half that or something, but it yeah, was yeah. generally pretty, pretty good. Yeah. But I wanted something more consistent and less stressful. That's why I went to UPS. I was there for, mm -hmm. um, I did that for a while. But now I'm in California and I'm trying to think like, how can I stay? How can I remain here? So I got in contact with some of the Verizon people and I got that job back. And I actually became for like seven weeks straight. I was the highest rep in like our office or something. So they took okay. me to an Anaheim Angels baseball game. Like I was having a really good time. Mm -hmm. Like and I became the sales manager of the office. Like I'd come in after a hard night of partying and I would run like a sales meeting and tell everybody like how to overcome objections, you know, like, what? I was running sales meetings now. Um, How old are you, 21? I just turned 21, and I decided I don't want to be on Ritalin anymore. And so I came off my Ritalin. I met this girl, like, as soon as I turned 21, I started dating this, uh, she, she was a, a Korean girl, and she was, like, a rich Orange County girl. Her parents didn't speak any English, but she was, like, they, um, yeah. like first-generation kind of preppy girl, but she, we had a lot of fun together. Um so now I'm doing pretty good, going door to door sales it's in a lot California. We're not in Pennsylvania anymore. Yeah, no. She <laughs> took me to Hollywood the one night for a. Uh, her friends were having a party at some bar in Hollywood. Yeah. And I'm making pretty good money now and don't really have any bills. So I'm like, well, you know, let's get a bottle of Patron or something, which is like five hundred dollars at, at a bar in Hollywood. But I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know. And I threw down that money. We got that, and it was fun for a while. Um, 
I started getting a little bit freaked out though because so I lived with the college girls yeah. and then the one the one night before I, so I had a car I had a nice car I had a Chrysler 300C yeah with the Hemi in it and once I got the job in California I had it shipped out to me but before that I was getting like rides to work from my boss and stuff and the mm -hmm. one night he was dropping me off um, he pulled up to my apartment and there was just like literally like 20 girls just hanging out on my porch and my in my apartment you know hanging around they're like what is what's going on yeah, at your what house is, is this how you're selling and uh <laughs> i was like oh i guess there's you know like a hot college girl party at my house tonight and so that was fun um but i got my car shipped out to me i actually got into a fight with the girls because i was sneaking in and eating their chocolate in the middle of the oh, night oh no yeah i mean i wasn't a great roommate but uh we got into a fight I moved out. I was living with this guy that I worked with. <laughs> Over chocolate. Well, it was, you know, it was time. Accumulation of things. Yeah, it was time. But um, I lived on this, I lived on a beanbag in this guy's living room for a month that I knew. Um, and then I moved in with a guy from the office. But that was only for one more month on his lease. Mm. So I started getting stressed out about, like, where am I going to live? You know? like Yeah. Um, and I panicked and I... I just came home in October that year. So June I moved out and then October I came home. Wow. Four months, all that stuff happened. Yeah. Well then I, uh, I got a DUI mm. and totaled my car and I went back out to California to try and hold it together and get it back, get back on my feet out there. And I ended up living in Compton for a little while. What? Next to the, you ever see, you remember the Friday, Compton. you remember the Friday movies? Yeah. Um, remember when Santa Claus, Ice Cube? Santa Claus breaks in and steals their their weed and stuff. I don't remember that, but go on. Okay. Well, it's a really distinct looking blue apartment building. Yeah. And I lived into the one next to that in Compton. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so things were not going well. By Christmas Eve, I flew back home and then I just, I started couch surfing and partying even more because I couldn't live with my mom. My stepdad kicked me out the first time when I was 16. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he certainly wasn't going to have me now. Yeah. Um, so I'm couch surfing and stuff. Still not not like working out. No, or Before I moved to California, I did have a Bowflex that kind of got me into like working out a little bit. Yeah. But I was doing my Bowflex and going hiking, and then I got mono. And I was so mm. sick, I dropped down to like 170 pounds. What? And that was right before I went to California. So, um, so we're trying to we're, we want to know how I got into like fighting then. Yeah, I guess I mean that's a wild backstory. So, did you start doing like how'd you get in? A, I guess the right question is, was jujitsu the first martial art you did after wrestling? Um, so you remember Steve Blackman? Yeah, Blackman MMA. Yeah, I... I was actually at a WWF, when it was WWF, yeah. in Hershey, and it was Steve Blackman's like debut. I saw that when I was like seven years old. Okay. Yeah, so um, he had a studio in the mall in Harrisburg, and I had I got into a bar fight the one night, and I just got knocked out. What? Uh, yeah, like there was like this big fat guy in town... And everybody's like, you better watch out for this guy. He's going to, he'll kick your ass. You think you're tough mm. because like, I was just a big guy. So I you wrestled. wanted to see if it was accurate. So I finally met him at the bar one night, just hammered drunk. And I started poking him in the chest and I was like, you, 
you're the guy that I'm supposed to be so worried about. And he's like, well, if you want to test it out, let's go outside. Mm-hmm. So we went outside and he punched me one time, knocked me out cold. Um, my cousin and my girlfriend had to carry me back to their house. And uh, to, well, I was living with my cousin at the time. So the next day I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm lifting weights a little bit, but apparently I the don't know how day. to fight. Yeah. The next day I remember I went to Steve Blackman at the mall because everybody said wow. Steve Blackman <laughs> has like a studio at the mall. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I went to the mall and uh, I started like it was just an MMA class. It was the first time I ever heard the word jujitsu. Um, this didn't was know what, anything. 2010? This was, I think, like 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2011. Yep. So this was the first time I'd done anything other than wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got knocked out of a bar fight. You're like, I need to learn how to do this. Yeah, yeah. So I went in there. I didn't know how to talk or act or behave around people who actually train. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point now... 2023 i've been training jujitsu for 12 years um some the last couple years much more consistently than the beginning i'm assuming yeah 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 but um what i'm saying is though (laughs) like when i like when i see people walk in the gym now and that's their first time you understand what it's like you don't know how to interact in this environment like this person can walk up to you and smile and be happy and give you a high five but they want to choke you unconscious they want to test your arm out and see how much it can bend like and that's like a weird thing when you first get there you know uh yeah i i understand yeah yeah so i just i think about like how how i acted when i first how started. when you were yeah. you're looking back yeah yeah the good old days of I not knowing being like cocky like i wrestled and i you know i i made it to six foot four and, yeah yeah but uh it, it meant nothing to anybody yeah <laughs> So, so how was Blackman's experience? How long did you train there? I trained there from about November to April or so. And then I moved to back to California because now I'm off probation. So I'm off probation. I have a new girlfriend. She comes with me to California. Mm -hmm. Um, We're married now. What? (laughs) Yeah. Is this your current wife? This is my wife now. Yeah. So this is your wife. We got together in July when I had an apartment in downtown Harrisburg. I was a bouncer. I worked at FedEx. And then you're busy. And then I was still on probation. Mm-hmm. And then we moved in with my cousin when my lease was up. Yeah, yeah. Until I was like, hey, man, can I come stay with you until I get things kind of figured out? But I knew I wanted to go back to so California. We all been married together for like almost 13 years, 12 years. Yeah, we, well, 7 seven eleven was when we started dating. Okay. Yeah. And that's an easy one to remember. Right. Well, the way that I remember it, it was I got arrested on seven four eleven. And so a week I, later, you figured it well, out. Three days because as soon as I got back from Ocean City, Maryland, I called her up and was like, "We should. I want to settle down a little bit." So we like. So it seems like the party. trouble you've gotten into has revolved around partying and cars. Yeah. Well, I didn't get a DUI that night, but Good. I, I had a couple of, D, of those. But <laughs> anyway, her and I moved to California. Um, I'm hanging around the bars around there. Some guy tells me about this Brazilian top team jujitsu gym. Mm. So I start training with them. Yeah, because California at the time for people that don't know was the mecca I, literally mecca is what it they was, called it they, they yeah. called it the mecca of jiu-jitsu yeah i don't think that's still the case today no. i think covid uh influenced that quite a bit but yeah at the time that's what they called them they, they did call it the mecca that's what they called it yeah so, so you went brazilian top team from blackman's mma yeah um so i'm a brazilian top team uh within like three weeks they're like the coach marcelo uh perdomo was like, you're doing the tournament. We're doing the South Bay Open. 
and uh, you know after three weeks of training because he's like you're good enough you're ready to go so i won that i won my first tournament I wow beat two, i beat two guys um and you're probably hooked at that point well he's like you're i'm your manager now you have a amateur mma fight what uh he's like yeah you have an amateur fight um it's not like an amateur official fight i didn't like a smoker that's what so, so well, it's what they it call it like a be, gym, yeah. gym war almost yeah but it was yeah. gonna be like a team of us and a team of the orange county gym mm -hmm. and it was gonna be an mma fight you know it wasn't gonna be sparring it was gonna be a fight but it wasn't like official by the state of california it wasn't sanctioned right yeah yeah so i'm a bouncer in california it's now. sketchy yeah but you know whatever yeah so i'm training muay thai and boxing and tons of jiu-jitsu i'm having a good time i'm starting to get like like i remember the first time i sprained my ankle and you know it's a big swollen up ankle guys had to carry me into my apartment but like i went right back at it and i learned oh you can pretty much just train through this stuff give it a day you know whatever but get back on it um <laughs> i'm having a good time i'm still drinking a lot but I'm training hard too. I'm I'm training probably five hours a day, um, working at a bar, and the but rest you're living the lifestyle. Like yeah, my that was the lifestyle at the time was work hard, play hard. Yeah, and you're in that arena of um, both sanctioned and unsanctioned kind of violence. Yeah, I mean mm. it wasn't like an underground situation, like street no, fight. No, no, it no. was gonna be legit. But when you're a bouncer, I mean you're doing real life. Oh yeah, that, security. That was wild. I saw a guy get curb stomped the one night, Jeez. and I was oh my god, I was uh, <laughs> shooken up by that a little bit. I bet, man. I uh, yeah, and I got in trouble because at the end of the night, guys were congregating like outside of our club. And I'm not supposed to go off the property. If they're over there, then that's not a part of what we do, you know. And they started fighting. And the one guy went down. And the other guy uh, just started smashing his skull off of the off the curb. And I ran in and pushed him off and called in for backup over my radio. And the other guys came and cleared out the area. They called, the guy went off in an ambulance. And I was real shooken up. And then my boss yelled at me. And he's like, you weren't supposed to get involved in that. And I'm like, this guy's skull was getting cracked open, you know. Yeah, well, well how? And I... the bar that I worked at was already notorious for the bouncers pushed a guy down the back steps and he died. Oh, my God, dude. So it's like, I'm just trying to save a life here, man, you know. And Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so training, working, drinking, partying, having a good time. And how California. long did you stay in California the second time? So I was supposed to fight in November. By October, my wife is pregnant. And we oh, decided... That's a life change. We decided it's not just you that anymore. Um, we were not going to raise a kid out here because we're having a fun time going to the beach. Yeah, and, but you know, that, that, that lifestyle... This is no place for like a child. Yeah, yeah. So we decided you know, as soon, if, if, if she gets pregnant, we're going to go back home. Yeah. And so she's pregnant. And I'm like, okay, we got to go back home. That's, mm -hmm. It's not an option to stay here yeah family first my coach and friends were like you know just raise a kid here and i'm like ah. the one dude told me to buy a like camper and he's like i grew up in a camper with my parents driving around to different states all the time and i'm like oh, i'm not gonna do that <laughs> and, um so we came back home and i trained a little bit of jujitsu here and there but i started college then okay um i started going to college at uh, Keystone Technical Institute, so it's not like yeah, Penn yeah. State, but I was gonna a tech trade school type go thing. full time for a year and then be a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. um, so I learned all about um, kinesiology, physiology, mm -hmm. 
this is this now me being like 24 25 was the first time that i ever realized calories in versus calories out that was the first time okay. that i had ever really because when i was in california starting to get ready for the fight my coach um he was like you know start eating white rice and chicken okay and i'm like okay you know i can do that sure that's easy yeah. enough yeah but i still didn't understand like why nutrition yeah and now I'm in college and things start making sense to me. And I'm back up to like 260 pounds now. I just had hernia surgery because I um, I don't know exactly where I got the hernia, but somewhere between bouncing and fighting. And yeah, it makes stuff. sense. I have a hernia now, so I'm 260 pounds. I had to have surgery um, and I'm in college and I'm starting yeah. to learn about food and diet, nutrition and stuff. Stuff you actually care about. Yeah. and Where you don't need Ritalin to do well in tests. Right. Well, I'm off the Ritalin. I yeah. Th well, I came off the Ritalin at 21, and I think within like a week of coming off Ritalin, I turned 21, and I got arrested for my first time in mm. California just for like a public drunkenness. Um, we don't have to get into that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. But, so um, you move back home because you're having the child, and then you're training here and there and doing school and working and all the above. So the, the redlining happens. There's a lot of different you know balls to keep in the air. So yeah. then where was like your first home gym or you just went from gym to gym trying to figure out this new lifestyle? So I trained, I trained at Harrisburg, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu for a little while. Um, mm -hmm. they were the main one that I was training with, Yeah, but I was, I was going to some different ones. I mean, for a little while I was walking around like, Oh, I'm undefeated in jujitsu because I won this tournament in California in, California. in 2012. Yeah. And now it's like 2015 and people are like, all right, man, you know, you won two matches in 2012. Like, let's not get yeah. too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is like, I always knew though, like I always had like a feeling. But you like, had a no, self-belief at that time. I'm, like, no, I'm great. You just don't know it yet. You know, like I had okay. a feeling like that. And, um, yeah, but doesn't some of that self-belief, borderline delusion help you to actually reach for and strive for the goals that you... Yeah, man. Fake it till you make it, for sure. But also... <laughs> also... No see, doubt. Like... For sure, fake it till you make it, you know? But also, like, I... Um, but also do the work. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, no. Definitely do the work. You can't... You're not going to get anywhere if you don't do the work. Then you're just faking work. it. You're never going to make it. Right. And there's plenty of people like that. And you yeah. can see it. And everyone can see it. But... <laughs> Um, also like I, so right now I work at UPS again and okay. I've worked there for a couple of years. Um, they're really flexible with my schedule. So, yeah, but while, like, while I work there, it's a part-time thing, but all I do is listen to books, like books okay. on tape while I work. And I, and I love it. Like I, I could never really sit down and read. Sure. Like, obviously I know how to read, but like, I can't just sit down and read a book. I read the same page over and over and over and not retain any, a word of it. Reading is hard, man. Reading yeah. is really hard. And if you're used to reading when you're on Ritalin or any amphetamine or stimulant, <laughs> and then you try and just like not have any stimulant whatsoever and try and read it's night and day. Yeah. It's painful. Yeah. It's literally painful. Yeah. But um, listening to these books while I'm working uh, really helps me take it in. So I've been reading books on philosophy, a lot of books on history, um, books on the occult and mythology and yeah. um, religion and all of that. But the one, uh, The Art of War. Sun Tzu. Yeah. Go on. So you've read it. Yeah, I read it. Essentially, it, essentially, what I take from that book is... If you know yourself, you're likely to win. If you know yourself and you know your opponent, you can't lose. 
what I've it, taken from I, that. I guess, I guess the, it's, it's, there's a diagram of conscious and unconscious and there's competence and incompetence. So it's like, if you don't know yourself and you don't know your, your opponent, you're going to lose every time. Yeah. You can't win. If you know yourself and you don't know your opponent, you'll win half the time. If you right. know your opponent, but you don't know yourself, win half the time. If you know both, you'll win. Right. You can't lose. Yeah. yeah. Is what, well, yeah. So I, I've, uh, you know, fake it till you make it. I still think that has its place, but I think it is. Well, in you know, Sun Tzu, I'm going to do you on a quote. Uh, when you are weak, appear to be strong. When oh, yeah. you're strong, appear to be weak. That's true. That's Sun Tzu yeah. right there, dude. Yeah. See, I read it. Okay. <laughs> See, what I don't like about that book is when he starts talking about the dust clouds on the horizon. He's like, if the cloud is low and across the horizon, well, then that means that there's foot soldiers coming. But if it's high and in the middle, that means you've got a chariot attack. And it's like, uh, this doesn't quite translate to anything that I can think of. Like, is this... Is this yeah. a metaphor for anything? Yeah, I don't know about that metaphor. Yeah, do you know what I'm talking about in the book? Well, when he starts talking about like cloud I'm, formations. And I mean, I don't remember that exact passage because probably my memory was like, oh, this means so little to me that I, right. Because if there's something that's meaningful, I try my best to remember it hard. But if it's not meaningful, I'm really good at like not listening. So my guess, though, if <laughs> to try to analyze if there's a metaphor, <laughs> it's like if you're moving fast, there's going to be a lot of smoke right up, and if you're moving slow and like with a large group. You know, it'll be more like a fog. I don't fucking know how that applies to anything. Yeah. I think that might just be something of the times, like <laughs> like an actual advice to a general yeah. in ancient China. Yeah. But um, <laughs> anyhow. Um, so, so you're so basically what happened is you were at Harrisburg and that was your first like, all right, this is a consistent thing. But like you're what didn't feel like a home at that point, And then you know, you still had this belief and desire you're doing the continuing education, you're working, supporting the family. Like, I mean, you've been with the same woman for over a decade, which I think in and of itself is an accomplishment. What has fatherhood with having your first child? How has that affected? Obviously you made the change where you're like, we're not doing the California dream and lifestyle anymore. We're going back home. But like, it sounds like it really cleaned up your, no, it didn't. Well, um, so I'm not trying moved. to put you in a weird spot. No, here. no, no, no. It's all good. I moved. So we moved <laughs> back here and uh, I was still part. I got another DUI in 2015. And while we were while my wife was pregnant with our second daughter. Yeah. So I went to college. I was religiously going to the gym and exercise like lifting weights. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't miss that ever. Yeah. I, you know. I did that, but I was still like going out on the weekends and just getting, you know, pissed drunk, like real, you know, drunk. Mm-hmm. I got another DUI in 2015. Um, so it's not fair to say, like, it's not, I can't say that it cleaned me up having a kid, but I did start thinking about, you know, where do I ultimately like want my life to go here? Right. So you had longer term thinking. I was finally, yeah, I was starting to think about it for you were the first like time ever. 90 day plans. Like, all right, I'm in California, at least for the summer. We'll see where it takes me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but like, I'd never even considered really my future before. Sure. You know, I mean, man, when you were telling the stories before, how could you? Yeah. You had to worry about now. Time, you had to worry about now. Thinking, right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just, to be honest, like, no, I was still, you know, partying, partying, going out. Yeah. So, but then by 
Which I'm not anti-partying. Just right. So, just so on the same page. I think it has its place. Yeah. But, um, so I finished college and then 2017, I'm starting to get fat again, but I told myself I'm bulking. <laughs> hey, I'm going to, I'm going to ask, I'm going to run in the bathroom and take a quick break. All right. Well, that's a great way to stop though. Okay. I was getting fat. It's just bulking. <laughs> I've, that's what I still tell myself, Justin. Don't worry. In three, two, one, and we're back. So right. where we left off was you're gaining weight, but you're just bulking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working on my bench. And, uh, <laughs> um, it's 2017. Still working out pretty good. Working on my bench, getting up 250 or so. Or I mean, I was weighing 250. Yeah. Uh, um, got my bench up to like 335, but never passed that. That's pretty good, man. Um. I'm satisfied. I you guess. have you have long arms. I, yeah. I can kind of cheat. I'm I'm five eight, <laughs> so the distance the bar has to travel is like half of what you have to put it. So it's pretty good, man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, but I'm I realize like, come on, man, you're fat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'll never forget the one night I um, I had liquid bandage for some fucking reason, and I was <laughs> so sick of like my big fat tits that. I pinched my nipples and then put liquid bandage on it so that I didn't look like more fat. I don't know. I was desperate. I in, was, the, in your mind, you were like, I don't like how I look. I'm going to yeah. do an immediate thing to change it. And then yeah. it might not change it all that much. So this, I start to realize like, okay, obviously that's not, you're fucking up here. Yeah. So I'm at the gym and I run into Steve Blackman again and I'm like, Hey man, I'd love to get back into training. He's a bounty hunter. I don't know if you know that. Did not know that. He's a bounty hunter. I know he's, he's a like, professional wrestler. He's a, uh, well, yeah, he's a professional wrestler, but he also owns a, bail bonds company where he'll he hunts down people that don't you know that skip bail and yeah. stuff and uh because like they don't you know pay for the streams that they're supposed to do in virginia right he goes and gets them he's the one that he's the one that should be driving not you <laughs> but um jokes aside he isn't training mma fighters anymore but he still knows you know people that do it mm -hmm. so he hooks me up with harrisburg kickboxing academy just a couple HK. guys yeah daryl horcher and yeah jack Oh, yeah, Jack yeah, yeah. Valentine. Right, right, Tyler. Tyler Vida. Um, so he hooks me up with them. Shout out to you guys. <laughs> Bulldog MMA. Yeah, that's where they are now. Yeah. But so he hooks me up with them. I start kickboxing with those guys. We do a little bit of jiu-jitsu. Um, I'm with them for almost two years. And then Harrisburg Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu wants to make Jack's thing a part of their thing. Mm. So it's fine. Like I can still, whatever I pay Jack, they're fine with me paying them, which is a lot less than what they charge their normal members. So I kind of get a deal here. Yeah. So I'm training with them. I'm still doing kickboxing with Jack and now I'm back to Harrisburg jujitsu doing jujitsu with them. Mm -hmm. Um, still white belt because I've never, you've been, been bouncing around. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I want, I'm, I really want my blue belt. Um, but they're, they're not going to give it to me until I check in for a certain number of classes. That, that, like a participation thing? Well, they have a computer login thing, and you don't get promoted until you check in for a certain number of classes. That's kind so of that's wild. I sign up for a Naga, and I I do the expert division in the Naga as a white belt. And in gi I or won. no gi? Well, in gi, I did white belt, and no gi, I did expert. 
and I won. <laughs> and they still weren't giving me my, my blue belt. So And you could have beaten a black belt, technically. It was, I mean, whatever. I beat one guy, but it was in the expert division, you know. And you were a little, like, probably, I mean, I don't know, chip on your shoulder, if you will. Yeah, I still got a chip on my shoulder because I'm still undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> 3-0, baby, let's get it. So I do an IBJJF uh, with them. For people that don't know, IBJJF is International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. Yeah. And it is like the... I don't want you know, I call like it like the, the sanctioning body yeah. premier yeah. organization that people look at as being, you know, the one to the judge upon. Right. Yeah. It's the, it's the important one. It's not like grappling industries or the yeah. good fight or yeah. you know, Naga's kind of cool. Cause you get the belts and the swords. But, um, so I do one of those up in New York and I spend the whole night partying before, <laughs> before the, before it, um, and then I go out there and I lose right away because it's weren't prepared. I'm still a white belt, but the IBJJF people take a little bit more seriously. And I've been drinking like, yeah. and you know, all day. So <laughs> I take my first loss and I'm like, all right, okay, I get it. I, I need to That's focus. Probably good for you though. Yeah. I need to focus a little bit more and try like really put some effort into this and not just show up and kick ass, but like I need to actually work for like, this. Learn this. Yeah. So I'm at Harrisburg, uh, BJJ. It's 29, 20, the end of 2018. Yep. And we're going to do the good fight as a team. And we're going to win it because we traditionally win it. Harrisburg, Jim. This is an E-Town, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we're getting ready for that. A week out, we're open map. And I, uh, oh, what the hell is his name? Purple Belt. Well, he was a Purple Belt. But he was like an MMA guy. Um, he worked for like Porsche or something like that. What the hell is Josh Burkholder? No. Because I did jiu-jitsu against him when we were white belts. What's the name of the... Uh, He's good. Shout out to Josh. <laughs> right. um, what's the name of the... Um, it doesn't matter. I don't need to call anybody out here. But he's an MMA fighter. <laughs> yeah. Okay? So he so he's a, he's a little bit more serious about it. And I'm trying to be real serious about it, too. And he was... Well, I was on the bottom of half guard. And he was on top. And he was leaning on his arm, and I needed him to not be leaning on his arm so that I could be on top and him not be on top. Right. So I used my arm to uh, sweep his arm. Okay. <laughs> and the owner of Harrisburg Jiu-Jitsu was like, you deliberately struck him. And I was like, I hit him in the forearm with my forearm so that, like, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I, didn't, I don't know that I wound up and hit him. Right. But... I it struck. made sense to you, and you had good intentions. I struck his forearm with my forearm in an attempt to roll him over. Okay. And he's like, you deliberately struck him. You need to take a week off and think about what you did. Not everyone's training to be a world champion. He said that to you? Yes. And did he know that you want to be a world champion? I said, well, where's that, Jim? And then Jack Valentine came up to me, and he's like, you need to go train with Damien down in Lancaster at Gracie 717. So this is a week before the good fight. So I just don't train for that week. What? And then I got, I That's won. That's such a uh, foreshadowing event. That's canon. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, well, now it's pretty cool. But like, at the time, I <laughs> was like, time fuck. At, I'm like, fuck. Like the gym where I'm training at like six, seven days a week. It's pretty you know close I mean? to your house. Yeah, I'm, I'm training down here. I'm kickboxing down here. I'm doing jujitsu down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here a lot. Like... I tried to get my kids like I bought my daughter a gi and she was doing like some kids classes here and there. Like yeah. I was trying to make this like a home, you know, right. 
um, and they kicked me out. And Dave messaged me and was like, you know, what you were doing is like not what I want to be happening in yeah, my gym. It was we'd, a culture thing. We'd like to still have you here, yeah. but like we need you to respect like what we're trying to do here. But what he said though. Right. Not everyone's said, training to be a world champion. For people like you and me that recognize patterns and you're like, oh, well, I have this goal, right? Right. And anyway. if I can't train, like when I got down to Lancaster, it was Spoiler right away. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I should have introduced him like this in the beginning. Justin's now won worlds five times. Yeah, you mentioned it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I won't say it again. All right. He won it five times. <laughs> so then you joined Gracie 717. Yep. Yep. At the what end. What was that like? Uh, you know, a little beginning. bit a little bit nervous. Um, but just like any gym, it's a little bit nervous when you first walk through the doors. But um, was this when we were when Gracie Seven One Seven was at the current location, or Loop. is it different? Okay, it was at Loop Road. Loop. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I get down there, and uh, immediately, uh, Tommy, Tommy sticks out to me. Mm -hmm. um, Heggy, um, Ryan Thomas. He wasn't there at the time. Right. Well, Ryan Thomas was because I choked him unconscious in 2019. It may have been early 2020, but it, it was, was 2020. it was right when I started down there. Okay. Um, well, no, it would have been 2019. He may have, maybe he came back because I started there at the very end of 2019. I went to that good fight. It was the end of 2019. The 2018. The end of 2018, I did the good fight with no gym affiliation. I just affiliated myself with, um, like, I changed my affiliation to yeah. Brazilian Top Team. That They had some people oh, coming okay. from, like, Boston. Yeah. And the, I won, like, eight matches that day. So Jeez. all my points went to their team, and they beat uh, the Harrisburg team because by, of like, 20 points or something um, that <laughs> oh. would have gone to Harrisburg and not to. So that That's was wild. funny. But um, then so after that, you went to Gracie. Yes. Yeah, so like the very end of 2019, the very beginning or 2018, the very beginning of 2019, I started at Gracie. And I remember Ryan was a brown belt and I caught him in this loop choke that I learned in California. And people around here never seemed to be familiar with and felt too confident. And and uh, well, plus, I mean, you're a white belt. So when people look at the surface of like, oh, what is this belt system supposed to signify? Yeah, it typically does not signify. um. 10 years of training. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Yeah, I had been training a while. Yeah, and, um, and being six foot four, 200 plus pounds, and, and right. you know, not like some guy who is trying to lose weight. But so, like, as soon as I got there, I enjoyed, I, I liked how, you know, nobody's making a big deal if you catch an elbow. No, man. Yeah, well, in Harrisburg, it was an issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Lancaster... We're here to, you know, fight. Like, I like you. You know, you like me, this and that. If you catch an elbow, you know, oh, well. <laughs> you know, it's not a big deal. Like, I'll that, buy you a beer after class. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. So immediately, like, that caught my, that got me hooked into. And you like Lancaster. the training partners right away. There's yeah, no, yeah. Ones. Yeah. Um, so we're having a good time. And then by... 2019 in like July, the Pan America, Nogi Pan Americas is coming up in New York, and Damien wants to send like a bunch of people. Like the whole gym converted to Nogi. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Did yeah. you do? Did you do No Pan or Nogi Pans? I did Nogi. It's 2019 Nogi Pans. Was it September? 
thought it was like July. It there was there been, was there one, was a New York Open. I did no, I did Pans, and it was September, and it was in New York. Yeah, yeah. Well, then trained, there was a New York Open though. So that year. So this is, I guess, the, the intro to how I met with Justin. I was just beginning being self-employed in June of 2019. So I'd always worked at, I always gone to Gracie, um, and had done, basically I bounced between going to Gracie as an MMA guy, going to Gracie as just a jujitsu guy, going to lit its location to try and help build that as like the blue belt, like the only color belt there. And I had always trained somewhere in the ballpark of like four to six times a week, you know, single, no kids. Like it was my main hobby besides like going out and being social and going to bars and things like that, right. which also had a lot of fun drinking friends there. And 2019 was the first time where I was like, wow, I've gained a ton of weight because I still, even though I knew it theoretically did not practice calories in versus calories out was burning a bunch of calories was taking in more. Didn't know how to cook was cooking for myself. Like was not smart enough to like get help with cooking. So I was like, all right, I'm going to compete at pans at two Oh five at blue bell and i'm gonna train I, I think i train like 12 times a week yeah like because i would you just get do, the morning and the evening yeah i'll get the morning and the yeah. evening and then would would roll 100 rounds a week that was like my goal 100 rounds which i'm sure you do that in like two days now but you know my, it's a little bit less these days but yeah but yeah at the time 2019 it was like if it, it was the only gym in the area where if you don't go to like philadelphia or new york or the mecca that felt like everyone was here in it to win it is what it felt like. Yeah. The, the guys, yeah, they're there to fight. They're so not I, there for a social club. So I totally get where you're coming from. That was my, my experience at the time. And then after losing at pans, after training really hard, I think I lost pretty badly the first round against the guy who won it. I want to say and he was just, he was just better. He was just good. Like really good. I was like, wow, I did everything I could for this camp. I am no longer going to be competitive with jujitsu. <laughs> And everyone's like, nah, you're full of crap. Yes, you are. And I was like, mm, hard sign in it. That was my story. How I became a filthy casual. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. So you did, did you do that tournament? I did do that. Well, Damien had to give me my blue belt to even qualify for pans. Oh. So he pretty much just threw the blue belt at me because he knew I wanted <laughs> it. And I was being real disrespectful about asking him for it about it yeah like yeah. i wanted it you broke rule number one which is don't ask for your belt yeah so he's like all right and he threw it at me and he's like get ready for pans so we convert the gym to like no gi no mm -hmm. you know for the couple months leading up to it and i went to pans and i got second at pans that's no -gi really pans. good yeah um that that was cool but i could it wasn't first i could have done better um i was still I mean, it was your first, you're a brand new blue belt. It was your first blue belt, like official. Yeah, I got belt. my blue belt to do the tournament, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, um, like, I realized, so this is 2019, July or mm -hmm. September or so of 2019. And that's actually right when I started thinking, like, hey, maybe if I don't go out drinking two nights a week <laughs> and I start, like, kind of putting, like, more methodology what, behind what my exercise programming and my yeah. diet and stuff. So it was... Towards the end of 2019, I was Cause like... Because you were heavier at that time, weren't you? Like 230, 230? Yeah, I was getting up there. I competed in 222 yeah, at that two, tournament. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's when I started thinking, I'm going to try and like get a little bit healthier now. Like I had just turned 30, um, or I was close to turning 30, right around there. 
Oh, because so, it's adult versus masters kind of thing. I, I don't remember, but yeah, yeah. I know that I was because Jack and me have like the same birthday. Were you born in '88? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Jack and me had the same birthday, and we were gonna. I was like, we should have like a big party together or something. I don't know. That never happened. But so you've been masters then. I don't remember if I yeah. did master or adult, yeah, but yeah. um, right. I'm I might have been thirty at that time. So master, maybe whatever. Yeah. Um, no big deal. But then I started like getting healthy and then like I stopped going out as much. Like I was still going out a little bit, but I wasn't really going out as much, Yeah. but I was more focused on my training and 2020 rolled around. I was going to go to the Arnold classic. Um, there was a grappling industries, jujitsu tournament at the Arnold classic. Gordon Ryan was competing in it. Um, it was going to be a big tournament. Which year was this? 2020, 2020 oh, and the yeah, Arnold yeah. classic was, uh, March like 14th or something. Mm -hmm. So I went, but like the week before I went, all the lockdowns started and right, March. things started getting kind of freaky. Like all the vendors pulled out of the mm -hmm. Arnold, but the Ar Arnold was like, we're still going to have it. And the vendors weren't there. And, uh, so I went and I went six and one on the day. Um, had a pretty good tournament. Uh, I won the gi division. I beat three guys in the expert division. No gi. And then I got to this one guy who is like a flow grappling ranked uh, really nogi good. guy. And within like 30 seconds, he had a hold of my ankle. And the crowd was like sick of me because I was just out there muscling everybody through the expert division. This guy has my ankle. And they're like, it's over. Like the crowd is chanting, it's over, <laughs> it's over. And the guy's looking at me. He's like, do you really want me to break your ankle here? And so I tap. Oh, okay. Yeah, I tapped. And, uh, me, me and my wife, uh, we made a trip to the Arnold, so we went out drinking in uh, Columbus, Ohio, mm -hmm. that night. Yep. And then... Do you, do you see behind you that little gravestone thing? Yeah. Yeah, my wife competed in Arnold. Okay. But First not, place at the powerlifting? She's powerlifting, though. Okay. Not jiu-jitsu. Right. Yeah, she told me crazy stories. But, like, I can picture... the What I'm saying is I can picture the environment. Yeah. Like, I've seen her videos. It's nuts. Yeah, it's wild. It's, it's yeah. yeah, they have everything there. They had the uh, Ninja Warrior was yeah. in the same area as us. It seems like a cool event. Yeah, or it was. <laughs> but uh, so we come back and then everything's locked down. And I got COVID like from mm. that weekend. And uh, I mean, I guess it was a little bit worse than a cold. <laughs> I remember sweating pretty bad in the, in the night sweats mm -hmm. it was like worse than a typical cold and i remember uh having a little bit of trouble keeping my breath like catching my breath for a while and at first when covid when they very first locked down they're like two weeks to flatten the curve i'm like all right you know maybe there's something we should pay attention to here so i even did one of those like home push-up challenge things yeah, where yeah, tag yeah. tag your friends everybody do push-ups and let's do this together and then after two weeks, they were like, we're going to do two more weeks. And then not like right at that point, I'm like, oh, like I've seen this before. Like I've seen people like, you know, you give them an inch and they take a mile. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized something was going on. And Damien was like, all right, I'm hanging up, I'm hanging up newspapers over the windows and keeping it dark in here. We're going to keep training. Yeah. So we kept training. And what is it? So. Only the hardcore people were really left at this point. Yeah, it, he lost a lot of members, but yeah. there was still like, I don't know, probably a good 20 of us that were still pretty consistent and serious about it. We went down to 
they still had the Pan America tournament that year. That was this is twenty twenty. They had pans in Florida in somewhere around August. I went down and I um I drove to Florida with my kids and my wife. We went to Disneyland. I did it all one drive, like all one shot, mm-hmm. eighteen hours straight driving with two kids in the car and my wife. Um and then I competed the next day and I did horrible because I just drove for eighteen hours straight. Yeah. And happens. I did well, what really happened is I beat my first guy. Um, and then my second guy during the match, the ref saw that I had like spats on underneath my, uh, pants and he's like, you can't wear that. Um, that's the IBJJF, uh, you know, rules or whatever. You can't have that on. So he let me go to the bathroom, take that off and then come back out and finish the match, which normally they would just disqualify you, but he, he let me slide, I guess. Mm-hmm. But when I came back out, um, I had the guy in my guard this is pans 2020 mm-hmm. florida i had the guy on my guard and the first thing that he does is grips like with his fingers inside my pants to like break my guard mm-hmm. but i don't have any underwear on and he just put my finger his fingers in my pants and he's like holding my pants down like you know the grip mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah but only i don't have underwear on mm-hmm. so it's co- it's a little too close for comfort and i just wanted this match to be over um but I could have been better prepared anyway. I, mm. I realized like this was wrong. And then also at that time, I learned about the carnivore diet. Like on a Joe Rogan podcast, I learned about Paul Saladino. Yeah. And basically meat, dairy, fruit, and honey. Just eat meat, dairy, fruit, and honey. Nothing now are else. you still on that? <sighs> Pretty, I mean, right before Vegas, I, before this last world championship a month ago, I was. Right now, I'm a little bit more loose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've gained. But when almost, you're like tight, yeah. But what I want to do is I want to reintroduce peanut butter, and I found mm-hmm. peanut butter that doesn't have seed oils in it because seed oils are the worst. Least, they're not good. The worst thing that you could possibly eat, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but I other, found, other than like receipt paper. Yeah, but there's actually something that. special about receipt paper that's really bad. You're not even supposed to touch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I start following like this carnivore diet. I'm chaining real consistent, real hard. Everything is locked down, so I'm not really even going out at all. You yeah. know, I'm just chaining. I'm I'm eating right. And I did, like, some local tournaments, and mm-hmm. I, I was I started feeling different. Like, I started really dominating but people. But you, you had the goal to be a world champion. Right. Before, like, that was your intention going to Gracie. And now you're like, all right, I'm taking care of all the extracurricular activity, the diet, the training, the yeah. mindset, all that's getting taken care of. Now you're doing the work, and you're like, oh, if I do this on a long enough time horizon, you had that self-belief, it'll happen. So, yeah, by the end of 2020, um, so I lost at the end of summer in 2020. And then by December in 2020, Damien's like, let's go back down to Florida for Worlds. So I fly down this time. I don't drive. That made a difference. Um, I get there, and I just ran through the bracket. There was one guy that I was a little bit nervous about. Like, I was scoping him out on uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. He was a, like, all-American wrestler, uh, a doctor, a wrestling coach at Stanford Jeez. University. And he's on the other end of the bracket of me. So I run so through the bracket. Finals. Yeah. I run through the bracket, and I cup up against this guy. Um, in the finals, like, he's a much better wrestler than I am. He shoots in, gets a takedown. I pull him into my guard. And I'm just working a you know a sweep or something for the whole time, and he just wants to ride out his two points that he got in the first like 15 seconds of the match. So the ref dings him for stalling. 
I can't really progress on the guy or whatever, but he, there was several times where he could have passed me because I opened up for like a scissor sweep and he didn't take it. So the ref's like, that's, you know, points against you for stalling because you were clearly just trying to ride this out off of one takedown. So it came down to like a decision and the ref gave it to me. That was my first world championship. Holy felt, shit. Felt fucking awesome to win a world championship, but also it was not decisive. You didn't feel you had the taste, like the goal was accomplished, but you didn't accomplish how you wanted it to accomplish. Right, exactly. It. Yeah. So I'm happy, you know, with this, but now like I need to work harder. Um, yeah. So Damien does not promote me. I really. I remember talking to you in 2020 to be promoted one. from that. You got promoted. <laughs> I was also a blue belt for almost six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started jujitsu in 2014, and I got my purple belt seven years in. No wait. Yeah, basically seven years in. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, I'm not complaining about anything. Like, it was like I, January I understand. 21. Yeah, I was smoking cigarettes at the time. I remember you were like, hey, I don't smoke cigarettes, but like, I would like one. <laughs> and I talked to you outside, and I was like, dude, like, did you win Worlds? You're like, yes. I was like, okay. Well, then keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> it was what I remember distinctly telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I remember. Well, I got hammered that day, too. Yeah. <laughs> It was, a, it was a good was day. yelling at me because I was spilling cake in between the mats or something. Yeah. We were choking each other unconscious. And it was a good day. Yeah, it was. It, it was, was fun. a fun day. It was nice to get everybody together. Anyway, um, so now I, I got a taste of success, but I didn't do it on my terms. And I'm starting to understand like a little bit about discipline and, you know, having a plan. So 2020 20, or 21 is coming around. Um, we go to Nogi Worlds. Um, I won that. I won Nogi Worlds, which I'm not even a Nogi guy. I love the Gi. Okay. So I won Nogi Worlds, and then a month later is going to be uh, Masters Worlds. Mm -hmm. I go to that. I win that. Now in the Gi. In the Gi. Um, so finished 2021 out pretty strong. Two World Championships. Three World. Well, two during 21. You're right. Yeah. 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 Um, but you've done three so far. Right. So now 2022 is coming around. I've really got a taste for, um, you know, a healthy lifestyle, just um, discipline. Discipline was the whole thing that really started to change for me. Like I learned just listening to others that not even I mean, for me, like what I literally did the one day was I got a piece of paper and I marked off every half an hour on the piece of paper and I wrote down exactly what it is I would be doing at that time. Yep. Um, so 2022. I started running like 10 miles every single day. I remember I, that. I finished the year with 3,000 miles. What? And I came in seventh place in an ultra marathon. What? Yeah. I didn't know you ran an ultra marathon. How, how far is an ultra marathon? Anything over a marathon is an ultra marathon. Okay. So I did the first one, which is a 50K. It's like 31 miles. And it was like in the forest, up and down trails and like... 31 miles. Yeah. And it was like trail running. It wasn't... Road running. Yeah. No, it was... Do rough. you prefer trail running? A, not that kind of trail. Okay. Like I like being in the forest, yeah, yeah, but yeah. this was thousands of feet of elevation, like stamp rocks and roots. And like, I fell a bunch of times like that kind of sucked. Whoa. But the name of the race was called pain in the green lane. Uh, so it's a so good it was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. I might do it again in a month. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe we'll see. I got seventh at it last year. Like if you go to the event website, I'm yeah. at the bottom, like they list the uh, top performers from the last year Wild, dude. and I'm on it. Um, so that's kind of cool. I'd like to try and improve, you know, cause I think yeah. I could do some things better there too, because the night, two nights before we, I did that, I thought shady maples, I'll eat as much as I can and before. really load up. 
And like five miles into that race, I was ducking off the trail to uh, go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. So you would not recommend that? No, time around? I would not recommend that. And carnivore helps with run. My question is, you know, with carnivore diet, it's pretty much low carb. Like, yeah, no. it's not low carb. No. Well, okay. Technically, carnivore is low carb, but this is called animal based. The way that I look at it is, if if you had a pet and went to the pet store and you're like, what is the food that this thing needs to eat? Um, what like the natural diet of this animal is and like we are an animal so basically what it's at right now is meat dairy fruit and honey everything else is like and all not fruit. good there's not like fruit that's off limits like you just eat whatever fruit you well want. nightshades and so like if you consider a tomato a fruit don't eat that don't eat that and then like onions and stuff like that are no good really? um yeah, but really, what it comes down to is the way that Paul it's like Saladino, vegetable, not a big vegetable guy. I I like vegetable. I like this one stir fry mix I have. I get it at Costco. But you're it, not a. You, I'm not, not allowed. Well, I'm not permitted because the way that Paul Saladino puts it is, if you can eat it and you're thriving, then eat it. But he's like, if you have a problem, you know, try cutting this stuff out of your life. Elimination. And, yeah. And. I realized my whole life I've had a problem where right. like I kind of had like a digestive issue. Like my a whole sugar life. thing. Well, not even a sugar thing. I realized that I've had diarrhea most of my life. Yeah. And I just thought that's how everybody was. Um, <laughs> I get it. I mean, I just got my nose fixed. So I understand. Yeah. You don't realize once you that fix it's the a problem. problem you, once you fix the problem, you, you're like, oh, but I can't believe I live like this. As soon as I cut to, to the, like this four basic things or whatever. It went away. And then anytime that like I cheat or whatever and I have like a sandwich or something like that, a piece of cake, it comes back. So I realized like I have a problem with wheat, especially mm, like celiac. He says that, um, you know, rice and potatoes are like low toxicity types of foods. Mm-hmm. And I tolerate those well enough that I, I eat like rice krispies. It doesn't have any of the seed oils and stuff like that. And yep. it, it's pretty much just rice, like rice cakes. Um, well, I mean like actual Rice Krispie, the, the cereal. cereal? Okay. Yeah. But so I eat that. Um, what I'm Do you drink trying, a lot of milk? Uh, I eat a lot of yogurt. Yogurt, not milk. A little bit of milk. Do you do raw milk or pasteurized? I want, I'm too afraid to do raw milk. So I've, there's a lot of raw milk farms around where I live. Yeah. Um, I, I sometimes do pasteurized because it has a longer shelf life. Okay. But raw milk is like all the probiotic effect. This is my own personal experience. I'm not a doctor. My experience with it has been the probiotic benefit has actually helped my digestion incredibly. Mm-hmm. I think it tastes better. It, I digest it better. And, um, if it wasn't for the fact that if I don't drink a gallon of it within like a week or else it goes to waste, if I could get like half gallons of it, it'd be perfect. Well, we go through a gallon in like two days at my house. Then check but out. I'm a farm. just scared because if there's like stuff in it, especially with my kids that it would cause some serious trouble. Yeah. With kids and stuff. Yeah. But also, it's supposed to be really good for kids. Prevents asthma and mm-hmm. and stuff like you see people like local honey type thing too. I just get my honey at Costco because I eat like a pound or a quarter pound of honey a day. What? Yeah. So it's not low carb because of the honey. Well, yeah, no, that's I eat about a pound of carbohydrates a day. Holy shit! Yeah. How many calories do you eat a day? So right now I'm about five thousand. You eat five thousand calories a that's day. That's the plan, but like I'm and not you... super strict right now. So you like yesterday it was closer to six thousand. What? Yeah. Because my car broke down, so I like I made yeah, yeah. a little snack for myself. I was like, God damn it. Like, I'm going to have this little but peanut like, butter. But yeah, like 5,000 
5,000 with my activity level right now. Like I run about 50 miles a week. I coach jujitsu four or five nights a week. I train like two or three real hard nights a week. I, every morning I work out. Um, so you do running jujitsu, weightlifting. I don't lift weights. Um, okay. So you do more like, like as soon as pushes. I wake up, I do about, well, I recently changed this to six sets of 12, uh, pull up, push up and squat air squat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like a half an hour of yoga, like stretching, 15 minutes of kettlebell, um, ice baths, all that stuff. As soon as I wake wow. up, like every morning. But you don't do like, you're not benching for... I blew out my back in 2020. Deadlifting? No, squatting. Mm. Um, and I'm just, it's not necessary. Like I can still retain muscle and yeah. I'm as strong as I need to be. And um, I, it's not necessary. Like a kettlebell. Kettlebell's good. It gets you, it gets your body like used to momentum and kind of throwing yeah. around weight. So like sport specific movements and more functional movements. But by the end of by the end of twenty twenty two, that three thousand miles took a little bit of a toll. Like bet, somebody man. made the joke. How are like, your knees? Some, like, are your my knees, knees are fine. My hips. Oh um, wow. My hips started hurting a little bit. Somebody made the joke. They were like, "Oh man, you're due for an oil change." <laughs> I did three thousand. Um, <laughs> Some people don't even put that in their cars in a year. Yeah. Well, that's pretty low. But yeah. yeah. Um, so I cut back on that. I'll probably hit. 1500 to 2000 this year um damn do you what do you like the most about run do you enjoy it is it like yeah do you think it helps your jujitsu or is it help with like your weight management or like how does it help you i think okay so i enjoy it because it gives me time to think mm-hmm. it gives me time to clear my mind I do, like you, to, do you listen to like books and podcasts no i i will smoke a bowl and then go for like a 30 <laughs> yeah. mile run what? and just think about the universe. So for anyone that thinks that THC makes you lazy, just talk to Justin. Yeah. No, I, I love nothing more than smoking a, a fat bowl and then going for like a 30 mile, like a five, six hour run. Hour? Yeah. I, the longest I ever did was 40 miles. That took seven and a half What's hours. What's your pace? I normally hold, I mean, I, I the trick is to not run as hard as you can. Right. That's the thing that I learned in 2022, because before 2022, anytime I went for a jog, it was push it as hard as you can push it this whole time. Yeah. You know, despite like any like how you feel today or anything like that, just just go as hard as you can. Yeah. And I never really enjoyed running. And then I was like, let me just go and not really think about like how hard I'm running. Let me just go and run. Yeah. Go out, see some nice scenery and think about life and stuff and, you know, smoke a bowl and just (laughs) ponder the universe yeah. and doing that so it's like a meditation doing almost. it like that i mean i'll hold right around like 10 minute miles yeah like six miles an hour but you can do it forever i can do it for at least seven and a half hours that's the longest i've ever done it what yeah did you have like okay this is again i'm not trying to grill you on running this is about jujitsu primarily but yeah. i think it's important that's it's not that's not a like a it's not a small hobby, right? Like to run seven and a half hours yeah. running. It's like when you were 275 pounds, right? And like, I couldn't run for 10 minutes. And then when you were smoking cigs, like for, yeah. and the reason I'm, I'm amped up about this particular topic, Justin, is because I uh, tore my ACL getting back into jujitsu and I'm at nine months into it and I'm starting to get into road work, like running and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it's like a mental block, but I'm like, I mean, if you could, 
do seven and a half hours of, of running, I could probably do like, I don't know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe. There's a trail near your house that I like to go on. Really? Yeah. Um, it comes out in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Um, rail the, trail. The rail trail. Yeah. Yeah. I normally, I've been trying to get on that once a week. I did it last Saturday. I did 20 miles on it. Um, yeah. I try. It's a good trail. It's It's pretty flat. Like where I live now, when I run by my house, it's uh, the other day I did 15 miles and it was about 1,500 feet of elevation, which was unpleasant. But I did that one at like a 930 pace. Yeah. So that was kind of a good pace. So, yeah, for sure. Um, When you're doing the seven and a half hour run, how do you get it? So you get like, I'm assuming you're doing it from your house. Like it's not like, is it a loop? Well, no, the seven and a half hour, the 40 mile run. I did this last year, but, um, that one was on the rail trail. I just, the rail trail is exactly 20 Down miles and back. Yeah. Yep. I ran into John Brennan. Uh, yeah, he's a big biker. He was on the trail, like sitting on a bench with some of his friends. And I was like, I just finished like t- the 27th mile and I was like, Oh, I just finished a marathon. Only 13 miles to go. <laughs> and, uh, that's wild. Yeah. There's cool, something about man. it. I enjoy. I mean, it does. Def- it definitely, does hurt sometimes like it, the pain sets in in like my glutes and my hamstrings but not your feet my, ankles knees feet ankles knees good glutes hamstrings hips uh i know that i lean forward more than i should when i run mm-hmm. um but you've done like research on how to run form and things like that I'm i sure. know that my form's not uh by the book okay but i've i did research on ultra marathon runners and listened to podcasts of just ultra marathon runners talk mm-hmm. and they're more along the lines of like do what comes natural to you mm. like a high school you know track coach might tell you the way to do things but a person who can run 200 miles is like a person that i'm going to listen to sure you know and they're like you need to just get out there and grit through it and when it hurts you know the one girl calls it her pain cave she says, like, every time it starts to hurt, I'm like, all right, now the work begins. Like, I can get in here and, you know, take push it a little bit farther. And that that goes back to what I was talking about in the very beginning was, like, when I was a kid. And I, I was, like, redlining. Mm-hmm. And every time you redline, it, it feels like you're pushing it a little bit farther. And that's kind of, like, how she described running. And that's I feel that when I'm running. You know, like, it, you, it's like a newfound threshold. So the rail trail is your new, what your garage used to be. Yeah, Instead I mean, of I spend, in circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Man, that's wild. But I like to. I mean, I like to just get out and run wherever I am. I mean, it's yeah. something you can do anywhere. Um, but I cut back on it a little bit. Sure. My plan. So, like at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of twenty three, my plan was I wanted to eat seven thousand calories a day. I wanted to run ten miles every single day, seventy mile average for the week. Um, in that aspect, I've failed. But other goals for this year was to win worlds again, um, to buy a house, to start coaching jujitsu. You've done all, and of that. I've done all of that. Yeah, I've, I bought a house, I coach jujitsu now, and I won worlds again. So, so you've won worlds five times. Yes, and <laughs> yes, five times. I'm just making sure that everyone listening knew that. Um, one of my other goals, though, for this year that I don't know if I'm going to accomplish is I wanted to be able to do like ten handstand push-ups. Without a wall or anything? Yeah, assistance? without a wall or anything. Okay. And I've been working on that all year, and I'm not there yet. So I'm going to keep at it. Yeah. Got a couple, min- couple months. But I can't, I don't know, can't figure out the trick. 
I guess just be strong. I mean, strong I think if that's the only goal that you didn't hit between buying a house, winning worlds, and coaching, I feel like you you had the proper priority as far as goals to hit. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's still time. Yeah, I mean, it's only October. You got two more months. <laughs> three, three more months. Well, now, just today, they announced the European uh, championship. Yeah. So I'm really, my wife wants to take a trip. It's in Paris um, in January. So is that the next step in the, the journey? Well, that's the next thing that I'm going to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. I got to make sure that we can even make so, the trip happen. So is having something on the calendar like it's so important? Is that what you would attribute a lot of the success that you've had is to, I know you talked about earlier about time blocking, like every 30 minutes you're going to be doing this. I mean, I use my Google Calendar religiously. I have like project management softwares and things like that, but there's just something about having a paper and pen and just like crossing it off, like once you do it. Do you think that has a lot to do? With well, just knowing like what you must like the plan, like you come up with a plan. Yeah. Follow the plan. If you want to be successful, follow the plan. Goal, and every, goal plan execution. Like every time you know you come up with some sort of an excuse as to why you shouldn't do what's on the plan. Yeah. You know whatever the excuse is, like oh I had a sick kid and I was in the hospital last night. I guess I'll skip this workout today. It's like well you can, mm-hmm. you can make that excuse or you can stick to the plan and do you know, follow the plan. And when the day comes, if you fail, you get to look back on that day that you skipped your workout for whatever reason you had. And if you fail, then you're like, Oh, I can point out why I failed. Right. And it's true. Like that's the thing that I've really started to see over the past four or five years here. Mm -hmm. Like the end of 2019, I remember making a shift where I'm like, Hey, you know, if I focus a little bit more things, like if it's all these little things add up, and I'm not the first person to see that. I've heard it before. Yeah, yeah. But it's like do a lot of little things right, and they add up to you big know, things. Big things. And every time you come up with an excuse or a completely reasonable explanation as to why you failed at doing what you planned to do, like that's going to hold you back. That's going to set you back. Do you think that who you are now versus who you were as a younger person in your high school years? Do you think that you just didn't have the plan? You didn't have the self-belief or the vision? Or was your plan maybe just not like you had a goal and at the time that felt like the goal, but like now your goal of, you know, home ownership, coaching, a lot of it has to do with almost giving back, right? To those around you, right? You, you buy a house, you have a family. Yeah. You know, you want to coach, you're helping the community that helped you. Like, I don't know what I'm thinking about when I'm hearing you, my impression of it is, you just got better at making goals and then your desire to achieve that goal was probably always there. But you know, when your goal was before to, to get a girlfriend, right? Like right. you, you accomplish that goal, but then once you've accomplished, you're like, all right, what now? Yeah. Is that, is that accurate? I mean, I'm just somewhat, trying to somewhat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, when I was in high school, man, I didn't even understand the future. Right. Like I didn't know, but the, that wasn't a concept in my life. Like everybody in my life at that time, my, you know, in my family life, my mom would say, you know, this stepdad's an example of what not to be. Okay. You know, your grandma beating the hell out of you is an example of how not to treat your kids and stuff. And like every, every, I didn't have any good, like real good guidance. Yeah. You know, uh, and I had to learn through a, the hard way, I guess, Yeah. you know, how to, like it's just discipline, man. Especially like that tw- the twenty twenty. How would you define discipline? What's discipline to you? What does it mean to you? It's really simple, you know. Like before the twenty twenty two World Championship, it was wake up 
you know, I don't remember exactly what the plan was right now, but then I knew it, you know, every single day it was wake up at like 5am, 10 mile run, come back, eat breakfast, um, half an hour at kettlebells, you know, half an hour of yoga, whatever exactly it was, it was exactly the same, you know, written out every single day and it was just do it and don't come up with any excuses as to why to not do it, you know? Don't let yeah. anything get in the way. Yeah. Do what has to be done. You know, my wife was sick during that time after she had, I don't even, we don't even know exactly what it was. Yeah, but she was sick. She was sick for a while. She missed like two years of work. I, I was taking her to the hospital all the time. Um, and we'd get home from the hospital at like five in the morning sometimes. And it was still like, hey, you're also working on this. Do you want to use this as an excuse? Or do you want to like, you know, we're back home. She's in bed go for your run now it's 5 a.m it's time and that's to me is discipline it's like no excuses just do what you need to do and then it also goes the other way like with diet and stuff like that like you're allowed 4,000 calories today or whatever like I never cut my calories down to like 2,000 a day or you never like do that. that no even like the day before a competition I'll fast and you went and you compete at 202 pounds and you're six foot four yeah. So for people that are really calorie restrictive, your your answer to that is just like before this last tournament, I was at five thousand until the week before. Yeah. And then the week before I cut down to between thirty six hundred, around thirty six hundred for the week leading up to. Um but it's but it's really easy when you're eating five thousand calories a day, like I did yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm not focused on anything right now. I'm what just... does a day in, of eating look like? Like, what would you eat? Because if you're if you're maintaining this uh, discipline and sort of a routine, well, I'm I assuming be... you eat a lot of the similar foods. Yeah, every single day it's the same. It's the same thing every day. But like, here's an example. Like, yeah, I want to hear that. The problem here, if you're willing to share that. Yeah, 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 I will. But the problem here is like yesterday, I don't have anything on the calendar right now. I just won worlds like one month ago. You right. know, um, it's a little bit of a relaxation time. Like I'm still training and doing everything but I'm being a little bit more relaxed. I'm not being redlined the whole time with the discipline right, right now. Right, right. Like I think it's like I've gone out drinking a couple times, yeah. had a couple cigarettes. Um I've been experimenting with peanut butter. Um, <laughs> Which could be worse than <laughs> drinking a cigarette. Um right. But like yesterday I had my 5000 calories and I wanted more. So I just I mixed up some peanut butter and some jelly and and a little bit of Rice Krispies, it probably added like a thousand calories. Yeah. Which to a normal person, a small snack is just a small snack or whatever. Like it wasn't, a, it was, it was a small portion. Um, but when you're already at like the peak, like at the top end, it, it dramatically, it dramatic, you feel it dramatically. Yeah. Like if I was eating normal, like a normal person, whatever that means. But if I wasn't like undisciplined planning to eat 5,000 calories, like if you plan, if you eat 5,000 calories, Anything you add on top of that's going to make a big difference. Right. But if you're eating normal and then you just have like a little bit of whatever, it doesn't make a huge difference. But anyway, what that looks like is um, I wake up in the morning, I'll eat about a half a pound of yogurt mixed with wild blueberries, um, two bananas, and like an ounce of honey. Um, then I feel like I should be writing this down. <laughs> yeah, but well, I'm also not I don't know, whatever. But I'll, I'll eat you know some yogurt, blueberries, honey. Um, then I'll have about a pound of, uh, 88% beef, 88%, 88.12 beef from Costco. And then you, so you eat yogurt, blueberries, honey workout. So I'll eat that and then I'll work yogurt, out. Yogurt, blueberries, honey. That's it. 
Um, for breakfast. Well, so like today I put peanut butter in it. Okay. But the problem with peanut butter is that if it has phytic acid, then it's going to reduce. Oh, bananas, right? You said two bananas? Two bananas. But today I put peanut butter in and that reduces the um, the way that your body takes in like the different minerals and stuff like that. So if you're going to have peanut so you butter. you felt it. Well, I didn't feel it. I felt fine. Okay. But that's what peanut butter does. It has phytic acid and it reduces your body's ability to take in like calcium and magnesium and stuff like that. So if you're going to have it in your diet, like the argument could still be made to have it in your diet, but you need to plan it carefully. You can't just have it. Like if I eat my peanut butter at the same time I eat my liver or something like that, it would take out some of the stuff that I get from the liver. Yeah. Um, they've done studies on this and like burritos and stuff like that. Um, with beans in them, uh, essentially people who eat like a bean burrito, like, uh, you know, with some beef in it or whatever, like essentially they get none of the, uh, minerals that are in the meat and the cheese and stuff because the burrito, the phytic acid and the, the wheat and the flour absorbs it and doesn't allow it to be absorbed into their, their body. So you have to plan it out. So then you, so after breakfast, then you work out and then you, what's lunch? So half an hour of yoga and then it's breakfast and then it's workout. And then it's uh, about a pound of beef. Um, depending on what the macros look like. I mean, I'm trying to decide if I want to do it with cheese or with honey, beef and honey actually go pretty good. It's together. really good. Yeah. Um, and then it'll be lunch. It'll be like. Six to 12 eggs, depending on... Six to 12 eggs? Yeah, depending on where my macros are at. Six to 12 eggs. And then before I work out, or before like the big workout of the day, like jiu-jitsu, because um, I pretty much do jiu-jitsu every day, whether it's where coaching I'm coaching or, or... Yeah. And when I... Do you I like, roll after you coach? I roll with the guys that I coach with. Uh, yeah. It's... I don't get a lot out of it, but it's good to get moving. Mm -hmm. And I got to... It's weird to try and to decide how like much I want to beat them by. But a guy got my back the other day, like a new guy got my back the other day. And I was like, all right, like now it's time to put an end to this. So I flipped him off and put him in a Dars and yeah, yeah, um, but before I coach, I'll eat about a quarter pound of honey. What? Mixed with two ounces of coconut four, oil. Four ounces of honey? 112 grams of honey. So a quarter pound is 112. Four ounces. Four ounces. Honey. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. Sorry. Uh, two ounces of coconut oil and. I was experimenting with my eggs there and I kind of felt better for a run when I did that because of the, I guess how do you probably, prepare eggs? Do you scramble? I throw them in the uh, toaster oven and hard boil them. Hard boiled eggs. When I, t when I do them on the go, like today I had scrambled eggs with cheese before okay. I, when I was at home because I decided I don't want to have too much protein with my pre-workout meal. Yeah. Like I, it's, I'm experimenting. Like that's what it is right yeah, now. Yeah. It's a time to where I'm not. This is what it is today. Yeah. Right. But like, I'm not focused on anything right now. So I'm yeah. trying out different stuff. So today for the pre-workout meal, I just did rice krispies, um, the honey, coconut oil and peanut butter. And I'm going to see how that does before my pre-workout. Um, but then at night I'll have a, couple drumsticks and like a bowl of cereal and it adds up like all in all like i'll make little adjustments here but it's about five thousand calories a day um and that's pretty much like it when do you sleep um i you get about, about five every day right yeah so i get seven hours of sleep a night ten to five um yeah yeah ten to five i get seven hours of sleep i'd like that to be more but it's just not how possible. Do you, yeah. How do you I, do I, like, I don't get home. Like tonight I'll be at 
Gracie until like eight. I'll get home a little after nine. Then what do you, yeah. Uh, quick shower, you know, and then it's bed. Yeah. Um, the, a big thing that has, so the whole 10 days before I went to Worlds, I did nothing but cold showers and 15 minute ice baths every day. So I was taking two cold showers a day. As soon as I wake up, cold shower, um, 15 minute ice bath, and then another cold shower at night after practice. Like when you're the most tired and you just want to lay down and relax. Cold shower, fuck off. Um, I did that the whole, I wouldn't even wash my hands with warm water leading up to worlds. Cause I was like, no comfort, you know, let's get this. Let's, let's focus. Let's do it. Um, I cut back on that a little bit more now for after. psychological yeah. benefit than it was for anything else. Yeah. So I cut down to like five minute ice baths now. Um, but I'm still taking a lot of cold showers, but yeah. I, st- I allow myself some warmth now, um, that worlds isn't coming up, but, uh, I really like that. That's a huge one. Man, the thing that I want anyone that's still listening to understand is you can say you want it, but then you have to really want it. Yeah. It's a, it's a degree of how much do you actually want to do the thing. Right. Yeah. Well, jumping into a cold shower uh, proves your desire. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it was unthinkable for me before to get into a cold shower, but now like, I've convinced myself that this is what's necessary. Are you calm when you're in the cold now? Or, like, have you become psychologically used to it? So when, you first, when I first get in... Uh, I don't know. Like, have you ever listened to like Wim Hof? Yeah. And you know how he's like really kind of loud and like boisterous. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like that when I get in, I'm just like, you know, ah, you know, like, woohoo, like, like get in there and just be real, real, uh, almost like excited, enthusiastic, yeah, yeah. you know? And then I, my goal is to be able to stand there without, you know, as if it was a normal shower, mm-hmm. but it's a cold shower and I'm, you know, I'm just scrubbing down and, rinsing my hair and this and that, you know, like I like it doesn't even bother me. So I get through that first initial jolt and then I do get calm with it. And I think that's really important. I think it's helpful. Damn. So the next thing on the calendar that um, we know of is possibly that pairs. run. Well, possibly that run. Yeah. Um, maybe I might take my students to a tournament in December. Um, Brian, Brian Thomas was talking about a, uh, a super fight possibly in Philly in December. But the next thing that I'm really about to set my sights to is Paris. I just need to work out the logistics of getting off work and getting a passport and making sure that I can pull all that together. But once I set my sights to it, um, yeah. So Justin, where can people find you that are listening? Where can they follow support? Um, Is it just Justin high on your social media? Is it, I have um, an Instagram, Busted Misfit. Uh, that's my main Instagram. I have another one that's kind of like a little project where while I'm out running, I try and just log some of the stuff that I think about. Um, that's called Sunrise Philosophy. Um, I started some channels on YouTube. I'm not sure which direction to go in with them where I would chug a beer and then just talk about conspiracies while I like work out and for like 15, 20 minutes or something. I pulled back on that and then I had this other idea where I just pick like a random story from my life and then rewrite it as an epic poem like the Odyssey and the Iliad, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I read it from like a big, like so you have other social media projects in the words. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, tr- well, I did, I did one story about a night that I was at a bar. I was hitting on some girl and, um, I saw, I ran into some guys that I knew and then, the girl's boyfriend 
came up to me and like kneed me in the face. And then the guys that I was talking to turned out to not be my friends. And they picked me up and carried me out the door and tried to beat me up in the alley. And I was like, I don't want to go out in the alley. And then uh, they left me laying there bloody. And the girl called me an Uber and sent me home. So I told that story, but I rewrote it as a epic poem. Mm. Uh, so I think there might be something to that. I don't know. But That's wild. I'm calling that the absurdity mm, on okay. YouTube. Well, man, it has been an eye-opening experience getting to talk to you, hear the story. Um, for anyone else listening, you want to follow Jiu-Jitsu, you want to support Justin, he's got a hell of a story. Um, valuable brainstorm to en enhance your life, liberty, and pursuit of property. I think this one's going to have to do with discipline. I think that'll be one of the main philosophical uh, concepts. Maybe add that to the, the title. But it was a pleasure, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.